Lane by Rain. Welcome to Hand of Pod. episode 449 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined by English Dan. Hello. And Andres. Hello, welcome. Um, we are starting a full 45-50 minutes later than planned uh, because it was pissing it down when I got off the sorte around the corner from Dan's house. Should be a nice concise one though I imagine. It's not a huge amount apart from, you know, apart from the first round I'd say. No, well hopefully not. Let's, uh, we'll see where the conversation oh, takes absolutely, us. Oh absolutely, yes. Uh, as we all know, we all know we're pros. Not to having an awful lot to talk about. Never, never got in our way. But the results from the first weekend of Liga Profesional action are Rosario Central 1, Argentinos Juniors 0, Defensa Justicia 2, Huracan 4, San Lorenzo 1, Arsenal 0, Estudiantes 1, Tigre 2, Tacheres 0, Independiente 1, Central Cordoba 0, River 2. Platense 2, Newells 2, Instituto de Córdoba on their return to the top flight, nil, Sarmiento nil, Colón 1, Lanús 2, Racing nil, Belgrano nil, Boca 1, Atlético Tucumán nil, Barracas Central nil, Godoy Cruz 1, Banfield nil, Union nil, and Vélez 3, Gimnasia 1. I did not mention Belgrano's return to the top flight. I mean, I mentioned it, I read the score out, but I forgot to mention that it was also their return to the top flight as well as Instituto does in that nil-nil draw with Racing. So no goals in either of the matches featuring the newly promoted sides, gents. Dan, I'm assuming you were at one of them, or at least that you watched one of them. In body, uh, rather than spirit particularly, um, I had quite a lot of spirits in my system. <laughs> um, I kicked off the season with an asylo here in, in the Hannapod headquarters. Um, lots of drinking and merriment all through the game, all through the afternoon, which continued once at the stadium. So by the time the game actually kicked off, uh, my memory's a, a little bit hazy. Um, I am sure that I really didn't miss anything worthwhile. It wasn't a good game at all. Um, Racing just didn't really get started against a Bagrano team, which entirely predictably and justifiably um, put everyone back behind the ball. Um, I think five-man defence, good um, double, you know, double defensive midfield, and just uh, see if they could hit on the counter. They pretty much couldn't. Um, just looking at the stats to jog my memory a bit. Yeah, seventy percent for Racing possession, uh, only two shots on target out of fourteen compared to Belgrano's 1 of 7, uh, 15 fouls committed by Belgrano to Racing's 3, 7 to 3 corners, uh, and very few chances of night. I think Racing had one in the first half. The first half they played a little bit better. Um, I can't remember who had it, but the, but 
Belgrano, goalkeeper Nahuel Lozada, uh, dealt with it well. Um, I think they hit the bar at some point, Racing. Um, the first half we had was pretty entertaining, and then the second was just a case of and there were two let's goals, get it out of the way. Two goals, uh, or one goal there was a There was a disallowed goal, yes. Um, correctly, I think. Yes, he was upside. He was yes. a Romero, I think. There we go. Uh, yeah, so Racing probably could have edged it with a bit more luck, but not the kind of performance they would have been looking for, you know, after a very good 2023 and after beating Boca twice, after being touted as one of the teams who can who can make a difference in this championship, uh, must do better, uh, I think is the, the overall um, conclusion. Um. So if it's fair to say that Belgrano, while they played for it, as you said, sitting back, uh, were perhaps a little bit fortunate on the stats at least to come away with a point there. Uh, their fellow promoted Cordobeses, Instituto, arguably a little unfortunate to come away with a draw. Uh, 18 shots to Sarmiento's five, um, but somehow managed to have fewer shots on target than Sarmiento did, three to two. Uh, they also had twice as much possession. Didn't catch the match, but just looking at the raw numbers, um, it looks like, and also from the location of most of Instituto's shots, uh, yeah, it looks like they were, I won't say robbed, but wasteful. Mm. Um, at least I'm guessing that neither of you watched that one either. And anyway, there is, they say uh, 18 tries, mm. but only two that were in uh, yeah. real possibilities. Yeah, yeah. It's, that game was at the same time as. Boca possibly. I think it was. It that, that so I can't imagine anyone. Many people were were watching it. Uh, many neutrals. Yeah. Um, speaking of Boca, a one 0 win over Atlético Tucumán um, in the Bombonera. Same story that yeah. twenty two. An another season, another Boca match, and another Boca performance. We should mention that. one monumental fact: Go Sergio on. Romero finally played yes, a game for Boca. Incredible. He's likely to be the first choice goalkeeper. Um, yeah, now that Rossi's left. I don't know who no, else. Ah, Javi Garcia. Yeah, exactly. Javi Garcia, I think, was in goal against you, not, wasn't he? In the yes, Super against... Super against his and against Romero's former club, Racing, yeah. They do love a Racing goalkeeper, do, yeah. Boca. Haven't even made that link, but yes, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Romero looks likely to be the, the first choice um, now. Um... So, we'll, I mean, we'll see whether he ends up being. It would be the second club of his career, I think, where he's been first choice. After Sampdoria, maybe? Uh, fair. Yeah, maybe third, so I can't remember who played uh, when he first moved to Europe. Uh, but maybe he's, played, he's had a couple of first choice stints, but not very often. But uh, otherwise, more of the same, really, from Boca. As I said, Oscar Romero looked good. Alan Marena at the base of midfield, mm. decent. Juan Ramirez alongside him, decent. I thought Paul Fernandes was a bit below par. Yeah, he has been for, for the last six months, really. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what happened to, to Paul Paul. Um, but yeah, otherwise, and you know, Nicolas Orsini, uh, as with so many Boca centre forwards of the last few years, just making you wonder how far Boca have fallen centre forward. I, I know they have another one, a new uh, striker that they signed, I, I think, yesterday or uh, a few days ago. I, so I think Orsini. Will likely mm. be <laughs> be be substitute because uh, Berentiel was 
I think it's a good striker. Ex yeah. defensive justicia, um, yes. Gauguet, um, Miguel Merentier. Yeah. Con el Cruz, eh, defensive justicia, now he was at Palmeiras. Don't know whether he played a lot or not, but. I don't think he did, no, because I don't think he's really good enough to play for Palmeiras. I don't know if he's really good enough to play for Boca, but time will tell. We'll um, they haven't had a huge amount of luck of from um, you know picking pl good players out of um, yeah, middle say, tier teams. I don't know how much just of expect him to score goals. I don't know how much of his luck and how much of it is just looking at Nicolas Orsini or um, uh, the Armenian bloke Norberto Briasco and mm. somehow deciding that they should be playing up front for Boca Juniors. But on the bright side for Boca, they do have one striker who's scoring. Yep. And, you know, they're going to win the league as well, <laughs> regardless of the fact that they have strikers who are, are rubbish and um, no. fairly uninspiring. But well, this striker I'm referring to isn't actually playing for Boca, but he is a Boca player. Anyway, Briasco could play with another striker. The thing is that if Sebastian is fit, Sebastian will be there. Yeah. Because they play similar positions and, and I, I don't see Briasco playing instead of Sebastian if both are, are, are physical, physically. Sure. Uh, Dan, who is this Boca player who's playing for someone else and scoring goals? Mateo Chapita Reti, yes. who finished as top scorer of the 2022 Liga Profesional like by a long way as well. I think he had 19 and his closest rival 13 or 14. It wasn't yeah. even a, a contest. And he's already got two now. And, and just, I mean, we talked about him, of course, during the second half of last year, but mm. I was expecting him to be back at Boca and maybe competing for a starting place this season why is he not why is uh, he he scored twice for Tigre in that two he denied it apparently it was his decision yes um, to stay on wanted to have another year playing first team week in week out rather than fighting for a first team spot which seems a little bit graven considering the year he had and the lack of competition he would have had at Boca but, but then is it fine. the thing is that from his point of view I guess, so he's, he's 23 he's broken into first team football mm. for the first time and, and has kind of caught fire at last um, from his point of view I think it is a bit of a gamble maybe going back to Bok if, if they allow him to have the say yeah. because it, it, it's a club that just seems to swallow up you know there might be decent competition yeah. but also there might be a manager in charge who's going to pick Orsini or Briasco ahead of you all the time because they're, they're older and more experienced oh Benedetto yeah of course you know, safer pair of hands mm -hmm. in inverted commas but in fact Tigre looks like more a team right now than Boca mm. oh yeah right. if he thinks about uh, high opportunities to score perhaps it's Tigre the option and yeah but at the same time Tigre aren't going to win the league yes. and Boca might yes. yeah, but Tigre aren't playing or are they playing the Libertadores um, that's a good question. They're playing something. That they're playing the Sudamericana, definitely, I think. But I don't know about the Libertadores, but Boca certainly are. Um, I don't know. Find it, find it funny when I read that. Like, a little bit of lack of, lack of ambition, lack of drive. Um, the thing is that it, it's, it's an interesting kind of dilemma. Obviously, we're going to talk about um, certain young players getting transfer moves <laughs> a little bit later in the episode, I suspect. Uh, but for players of that kind of age coming through where you think on the one hand you're a footballer you're in this game because you want to win stuff particularly you know maybe not so much for, for journey member for a player of his age and his ability he, he I'm sure would like to be in a team who are going to be challenging for the league title if he can mm. um, but he's also got to have one eye on, on future earnings and opportunities and, and where he can maximise his performances for now yeah. in the hope of getting a move abroad and oh absolutely and if he has I do think that from that point of view as I said 
if he knows he's going to be starting every week and he knows he's going to be scoring more often than not from Tigre, maybe that is a better place to be to, to prove his worth to potential Brazilian, Mexican, Portuguese, Italian yeah. clubs. Um, yeah, it's a fair point. Which he, is a bigger shot window, but he's got to get into that shot yeah. window. If he has another 20-goal season for Tigre, he wouldn't even have to go back to Boca. He could just jump straight to one of these leagues you just mentioned, or possibly even higher, because mm. he's a very complete forward. Um, really does has... Really does have a lot going for him, um, you know, a bit of a late starter, but that was probably more to do with being in the Boca system and just swamped. Um, and, and I think, yeah, uh, he definitely a lot. He improved a lot because when he was at Estudiantes, I think, I don't think he, he scored that, that, um, that uh, amount of goals. Uh, no, but it was very young still, to be fair. Yes. I'm trying to find uh, whether they're in the Sudamericano or the Libertadores, by the way, but I... Promiedos obviously gets rid of the previous season's league table as soon as that season's over, uh, so it's proving absolutely no use now. So I can't remind myself, but you'll have to if you can look it up on Wikipedia or something, you should be able to see. Um, other results, Andres. Let's ask you about a match. I'm sure you watched. Uh, River began the season without Salomon Rondon because it turned out that although we mentioned him last week that he'd signed, it hadn't been 100% confirmed and rubber stamped and the picture taken with him holding up the shirt because that was done on Monday or Tuesday I think now, so he has not joined. Uh, but in any case, they got a 2-0 win over Central Cordova. Goals from, surprise surprise, Nacho Fernandez on his return to the club right on the stroke of half time and Pablo Solari who is the next Enzo Fernandez, maybe? <laughs> No, the thing is that uh, there were some changes in the in the formation. Not only, uh, especially in the way of uh, standing standing uh, into the match. Uh, for example, Solari was the one who changed positions uh, with Paradela, for example, because uh, uh, in the standing lineup, lineup, Paradela was in the left and Solari was in the right. And for the second half, they, this changed. They switched their positions and. Solari played more in the left, which gave the opportunity to move like like he did in the in the, in the second second goal, to have the another profile and have the the, the possibility to uh, well face the, the the goal and 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 have chances like he took and, and scored, yeah. um, and the, the the right and left back playing more uh, in the middle, not so uh, in. Right to the to, uh, near to the to the line. Yeah, kind of yes. Cutting inside rather than cutting outside when they go into. The and more balanced, not so. They pressed, of course, because there was a pressing. Uh, this, this is what happened in the first goal, in which uh, Nacho Fernandez starting started the play and finished it by scoring, but there was a a, a, a ball stealing there, uh, but not so high press pressing. Mm. Uh, of course, the la late latest matches or the last year under Gallardo, the pressure was uh, like it was in, in other periods when he was the, the, the coach, but with a, a, a great uh, problem with uh, the balance between the attacking and the defense, and uh, the, a lot of uh, goals that River conceded were from uh, counter attacks that River went not very well in the in their back, and yeah. and in this time it was. Uh, that there was a, a change in the in the way the the, 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 the centre backs were standing, not to be of course surprised by the, by a counter attack. Hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, you'd expect Martin Damichelis to 
perhaps have a, yes. a clear idea of how to set the defence up. He announced this, like, uh, I will build the team from the from the back and then to the middle and the forward, not uh, not doing crazy things, I mean. Uh, and some some supporters were not uh, very like happy with this idea of that uh, like they prefer perhaps more uh, the, the the vertigo that uh, there was under Gallardo and not this like classic formation more like uh, uh, like balanced balanced team yeah. I mean uh, but I, I was I think I, I it was a good exam and, and of course uh, it was like like a test. For first official match under the Michelis, mm. um, uh, and yes, Rondon is uh, still well. He had some trainings, and apparently he's good. Fit, he's, he's fit, e even when he hasn't played for three months. Yeah, uh, uh, Nacho uh, last week compared him to Juan Fer Quintero, at least you know for pretty obvious reasons to anyone who listens to the podcast, because you all know that I love both of them. <laughs> um, I, I would say that. His return to River has already gone much better than Juan Quintero's return to River. Did. Yes. Right? I mean, he was man of the match for me, at least. Uh, Unsurprisingly, to be fair, because yeah. Nacho, as well as being a very good player, he's always been extremely consistent. Mm. He just doesn't often have bad matches. There were some doubts because, well, 33 years old, of course, he's uh, not old, but uh, uh, after two years of, of playing at, at a at but Mineiro, where he wasn't that follow, uh, followed that much by, by Argentinian supporters. Mm. And there was a doubt about how he was f uh, uh, both physical and with the football. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's a bit of a change of role for him as well, because I mentioned last week that he's been given the number 10 shirt in you know, really being treated as Quintero's heir. Um, and when he was at River before, he, was, he wasn't really a number 10. He sometimes played on the wing, he was more often like a number 8. Um, but he did it really well. I mean, he operated. Yes. And and he he uh, he was happy with that. And uh, he I think he the first press conference uh, since his return he said yes I will I will uh, get the the number ten t-shirt that Quintero uh, used to mm. wear here. Uh, of course, taking advantage of Quintero not being at the club anymore uh, because perhaps if Quintero would have stayed. Well, we don't know whether Nacho Fernandez will be here and whether he will have the ten, number 10 t-shirt. Now Paradella is the number 26 yeah. in his back. He, uh, talking about Paradella, he was about to leave. Not sure about the club, but the Michelis uh, uh, looked him training and he trusted him. We will see. Uh, it was a slight improvement from the last matches of the of 2022 uh, about his performance uh, if he works well that will be a, like a recovery because um, he was about to, to have one foot and, and half of the other outside the river yeah uh, on this extremely wet evening I'm going to mop up the remaining two members of the big five now uh, San Lorenzo Ended 2022, just to remind you all, and even though we talked about them during this run, I had forgotten just how good it was. With five wins out of six matches, uh, the only blemish on that record was a nil-nil draw away to Godoy Cruz. They won the last four in a row. Um, they then turned all of that promise into something that looked 
quite disappointing in their three summer friendlies, which we don't pay very much attention to, but they lost all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they drew 1-0-0 and then lost one uh, in a shootout to Independiente del Valle, and then they lost 1-0 to Peñarol and 1-0 to Danubio. Um, over in, actually, was the second one in Montevideo or was it here in Buenos Aires? I think all of them against the Uruguay clubs were yeah. in Uruguay, right? San Lorenzo listed as the home team, right. but I'm sure it was in Montevideo. Um, but anyway, they'd begun with another win. So in it was all a, it was all a ruse. In competitive Clearly. games, they've now won five in a row. Yeah. Um, over two years, they've um, draw, beaten Arsenal 1-0 and looked all right for it. I thought the, the goal was scored by the excellently named Andres Bomberger. Um, which he's a much more appealing player than that makes him sound um, it was pretty tight the game but San Lorenzo shaded it don't think I can have too many problems uh, complaints with it really Arsenal had two former rival players that wouldn't wouldn't have I mean the Michelis told them that they wouldn't have that uh, amount of minutes uh, to be considered in, in the squad so they left to go to Arsenal Felipe Peña before I think he played. I don't know whether in the no he he jumped into the match in the second half I think uh, as a classic midfielder like he is uh, center midfielder and Flavian Londoño Vidasha, a Colombian striker who he used to say that his idol was Radamel Falcao Garcia but at, at least until now he won't have that luck of uh, making his debut at River because he. Before making his debut, official debut, he went to left to Arsenal. Didn't debut still. Yeah, he didn't no, make no, his he, debut. He yes. wasn't in the squad even uh, the other day. Yes, but, no. yeah. um, but San Lorenzo, yes. I it's very hard to score goals against San Lorenzo when uh, when Enzo is the coach. That's, yes. that's been the backbone, really. Just clean sheet after clean sheet after clean sheet. And if they get the goal, yeah. uh, they've been able to bring it through. Yeah, very and strong one. The one match in that run that I just mentioned when they didn't keep a clean sheet was the penultimate league game against San Miento last year when they conceded two but they scored four yeah. so when they do need to cut loose at least as long as the opposition are at too high a level yeah Barreiro's been doing a great job Vumbo Rigar has been doing a great job but it's continuity as well which is kind of unusual yes. for an Argentine club after the summer market for them to Basically, I mean, for an Argentine club who aren't River or, or Boca or, as we said last week, Racing, mm-hmm. it's pretty unusual to look at one and go, yeah, this still looks like pretty much the same team. Yes, one big question mark still, of course, so that might be resolved by the time this comes out, is defender and, at least on Saturday, captain Federico Gattoni, mm-hmm. who has been told either he signs a new contract or he can fuck off. Um, at the moment, I think the standoff is still going on. They were covering it on TSN all day. Um, so I'm not sure what's going to happen there. He'd be a big loss because he's been very, very good. But he, he travelled to, to, to Sevilla and then he came back. Yes. Because, uh, because uh, the window shut there. But, so yeah. He couldn't move if, even if he wanted to. Oh, well. But San Lorenzo. Of, when, when, when does this contract run out? Uh, I don't know. I'm guessing they want to do it at least uh, just to make sure he can't pull this shit again. I see. Um, yeah, so that's one to follow. Uh, and the remaining big five club are Independiente, who consigned Racing to being the only big five club not to win their match this mm. weekend. Uh, thanks to a 
an Angelo Martino own goal seven minutes into the first half. I think that, at least looking at the statistics for all the matches, um, it's the least convincing performance, given that, as you said, Racing managed Ooh. to double the number but of shots. During several minutes, they were with uh, one more man than, than Tacheres, mm. because Martino had a complete match. So he scored yeah. against he, an own goal and then he was sent off. About ten minutes yeah. afterwards, yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, uh, Tacheres had to play the last 20 odd minutes with, with ten men, as Andres says. Uh, now, when Bustos as well got shown a red card, uh, what was that? Yeah, five minutes ish to go, and then the VAR got in the referee's ear and said, no, nah, it's only a booking. So <laughs> Tacheres were close to finishing the game with nine men. Um, and that really would have been, I mean, something as well, because there were like 10 or 11 minutes of. Uh, stoppage time in that game as well, um, but yeah, it's a shame that Santi's not here to to fill us in on that glorious victory. Yeah. Hopefully, at some point he will get the time off and be able to join us. This graphic says that Ivan Maracone was sent off for independent. Yes, then. Oh, we, well, yeah, right. Just after the. Yes. Yeah, then <laughs> after the, uh, not I don't know whether it was in the end, barely in the end of the match or or uh, a few minutes to go, but yes. Uh, um. Yes. Noteworthy results in the other matches. One of my picks is already high enough. Rosario Central off to a glorious <laughs> start. 1 0 um, on the first day. It was the first match, right? Yeah. It was. Yeah. At home to Argentinos. And I think they had a pretty good value for it. I thought they would finish 2 0, two to be honest. Uh, there was definitely a goal from Argentinos ruled out via VAR. Mm. I think Central also hit in the second half. When well, you say good value, but. They spent an awful lot of that game seriously under the cosh. I mean, it was classic Russo ball. Yes, yeah, it's not much. what you do. It's not how much possession you have. It's what you make of it, and and they made a fair bit of their possession. Bearing in mind, of course, that um, they, they, they have three first teamers at least yeah. out of action because of their sort of many gunner. In terms of making plenty, that's, that's a very good point. In terms of making plenty of possession, they were absolutely exemplary. If this yeah. statistic is to be believed, it says. 24% of ball possession um, for Central in the game. Um, but yeah, I had forgotten about the three missing players, mm. you're quite right. And they'll be back for this weekend, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, did we talk about why they'll be back last week? I'm getting the timeline all confused. Uh, were they all? No. Argentina already still out? in with the hope of qualifying when we ah. talked last week. And now they're not. Uh, no, they're not. They, they went home. They Remind me what they did against Colombia? They lost, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. yes. With, the, with, the, with a very, very stupid mistake. A, a, oh, a huge yeah, mistake from the yeah. Yeah. We should also mention that the Central Argentinos game, as well as being the first game of the 2023 Liga Profesional, was the Clásico Macalerense. Macalesterense. Because well, time, Francis. Yeah. That, yeah, that's a bit of a tongue twister. I'm glad I tried that after I'm, half of it. I, I thought you were brave to attempt it. Yeah. Uh, Francis lined up for Central. And Kevin, almost forgot the name, how? Yeah. Uh, lined up for Argentina, so right Francis. Back. Uh, Rather than left back as well. Uh, which was back, yes. interesting. And he's wearing number four for them this season, so I wonder whether he's going to be their regular right back. If, if I mean, so, then that's a change of uh, sides. Yes. Um, three, the three brothers could play in the same team because they are three different positions mm. right back, centre midfielder, yeah. and the other is more yeah. attacking midfielder. So well, they have. Did they ever I, get yeah, to play? Yeah, they definitely did. I mean, I, I don't think very yeah. many times, yeah. but they were definitely all on the pitch at some point. I think one game against Racing we might have seen, it was at least two. Yeah. Very possibly and, a and Alexis was 
in the starting lineup quite a At least they were Kevin. They definitely had some minutes on the pitch. Yeah. At least Kevin day. and Alexis were, I think, at the same time at Boca. Yeah. Not playing Kevin, not playing that much, or not playing even, I think, but. In the they same moved at the same time. Yeah. I think. Or no, Kevin moved about six months before Alexis did to Boca. I seem to remember. Very possibly. Um, um, yeah. In other news, uh, we had a notable return and a very impressive return. Because Pedro de la Vega, after almost mm. a year out with a cruciate ligament industry, industry injury, kind of managed to say, I'm more like. Well, he's an industrial player. So he is very industrial. Industrious, I should say. <laughs> indeed. And that, that was more of a compliment than I, it came out sounding <laughs> like. And he needed just 12 minutes to score in mm. his return against Colón for Lenos. So, very good victory for Lenos, actually. 2 1 away to Colón. In which, tragically, Jose Sand, not even part of the squad. So he is still oh registered with them, yeah. Um, but it seems like he might actually there's, there might be a possibility at least um, that he's no longer first choice striker and might not score any league goals. This Perish season. the four. Perish the four. I mean, yeah. Mm. Just, it, it, it would be <laughs> it would it would be a tragedy. Yeah. Um, I have to try and look up whether there have been any calendar years during his career in which he hasn't managed to score but I can't think there will be and if there aren't then that would be every year this century mm. so fingers crossed he gets on and scores one at some point but he it must hasn't be happened sure. just yet um, Franco Orozco got Lanus's second goal in the 72nd minute and Jorge Benitez pulled one back for Colón thing, uh, five minutes to go the thing that Leandro Diaz is back at the Lanus uh, after playing several I think first at Atletico Tucumán then at Estudiantes mm. proves that Perhaps, yes, Sand won't be a first option anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's going to be tricky for him to, I mean, especially with his age, but I guess they're keeping him on because he's, if nothing else, he's a reliable backup. One of the yeah. substitute, substitutes at Ace uh, Colón was Matteo Sanabria. I don't know him, but apparently a striker with 18 years old. Mm. Yeah. So 23 years less than. One to watch out for. Yes. Uh, Platense Newell served up a four goal thriller, Ramiro Sordo. Uh, scoring for Newell's Nicolas. Who? Ramiro Sordo, it says here. What? Yes, very funny. What? Uh, it, for those of you who don't speak Spanish, Sordo means death. Um, Nicolas Morgantini equalised just uh, 15 minutes or so later uh, for Platense. Franco Baldassarra. That's a pleasing name to say. Baldassarra. For some reason I can't yeah. quite put my, my finger it's on. double S as well, so it's Baldassarra. Yeah. Baldassarra. Dan's shutting like off it. now because he can roll his arms better than I can. <laughs> um, put Platense ahead just on, just over an hour in, and Francisco Gonzalez almost immediately equalised for Newells. Um, I did not catch any of that one. Me neither, but there was another debut today. in the bench, in this case of Newells, with mm. Hainsight. Mm. Oh, First yes, match. Of course, about that, yeah. Again, I, th I, th I think he was before, but now it's. Or, or was at Argentinos, Vélez, I don't know, well, Cruz, and I don't know whether he was at Mules. Mm. But, uh, I don't think he was, no. Uh, and Martin Palermo on the Platense bench, yes. so Former, 2010 World Cup reunion, for those sake. Yes. I'm just going to quickly pull up Hente's Wikipedia to remind us. Categorically. I don't think so. No, I think Sanguinetti no, was his first club at Yeah. Uh, obviously, they were the last club he played for, and the first club he played for, albeit very, very, very briefly at the start of his career. Um, but yes, yeah, his first time managing them. Um, oh, I've just noticed a fantastic name on the Newell's bench as well before I went out there. <laughs> That's what we're all here for. 
Their, their second choice or their substitute goalkeeper at the weekend is called Williams, with an S on the end, Barlasina. Colombian? Uh, Argentine, Whoa. apparently. 24th of June 1998. How have we not heard of this guy before? That's, oh, he was playing for Gimnasia de Jujuy. No, oh, it wasn't. He was well. playing for Agropecuario Argentino. Williams Barlasina. Um, until. Oh, he was on, on loan at Newell's. Uh, sorry, on loan from Newell's at Agropecuario uh, last year. And seems to have been an unused substitute for Newell's quite a bit during 2021. So, anyway, I'm very glad, and 2020, I'm glad that his name has now come to my attention because that's quite magnificent and I hope he gets a run out at some point during the season. There are, there are some very good ones. A lot Just of throw out the Newell's thing. Yeah. Even Lucas Ochas, Luke Howes, John Kaya Friasco, which obviously wins any kind of missile 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 amazing Justo Shani Nazareno Funes gets lost in amongst all that but it's still a pretty yeah. good one as well Guillermo Balsi Bruna Piton mm. Bruna Piton yeah the Pitons get overlooked for this stuff they, they, my girlfriend pisses herself laughing every time yes. Willa Ditta who is Colombian in defence mm. there is some um, and Ramiro Sordo, we almost looked course, up yes. the death man. Indeed. Oh, I might adopt yours as my second team because <laughs> I just really like saying their names. Uh, speaking of people... Even with I say, the ketchup man is, is fun when you think about it, we're just so used yeah. to it. Yeah. Speaking of people with uh, fantastic names, Bruno Mastronicola was sent on with four minutes to go uh, to replace Fernando Prado for Barracas Central and was sent off by the referee ten minutes later, fifth minute of stoppage time, for a professional foul in their 1-0 defeat at home to Godoy Cruz, which was settled thanks to a Gonzalo Abrego um, goal in the 25th minute. Uh, but yeah, I thought that that one deserved some airtime as well, because it's a lot of fun one to it's say. The probably oh, back at, at Barraca Central. Yes. Yes, we isn't it? The commentator, TV commentator. And um, we've mentioned a couple of old favourite strikers already this uh, <coughs> episode, so it would be a shame not to also record that Walter Bull is back on the score sheet again. Banging him in. Two goals for Vélez in their 3-1 win um, over Gimnasia. Lucas Hanson scored the first, and then both scored twice in quite quick succession early in the second half. I'm, I will guess that, or I, I will uh, risk it. Risky what, what I am going to say, but I, I am quite sure that that pair of strikers with Bowe Hanson will be one of the best in the in the tournament. With Prato as well, Lucas Prato, yes, yes. filling out the trident, mm. and Julian Fernandez, the under twenty international, once he gets back from Colombia, very very promising team. But then. Villas always seem to have promising teams and then at the start of the season. It doesn't always pan out for them. No, indeed. Because they often got quite young teams as well. I think that's yeah, I think they would have. They would have one of the youngest teams now if it weren't for Brado and their thirty-nine-year-old keeper. Yeah, uh, Leonardo Burian. Yeah, I mean, even with that. Did we mention Burian's fantastic achievement in pre-season? No, we didn't. Because I'm not aware of it. No, he won the Copa Leonardo Burian. Please inform us of what this is. It was a friendly tournament, I believe, organised between um, his current club, Vélez, and his old club, Colón. I'm hoping Andres will correct me if, I'm in, if I've heard. Um, and he won it with Vélez. Uh, the cup was named after him. Why? 
I don't know if it was a testimonial or, or something along those lines. Um, then there's one with a penalty from Hansen and Burian cut his hands on the cup by Burian. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, his birthday is the 21st of January, which, yes, that was before this match was played. So you're right, he was 39 at the time, Prato was 34, and even with those two players in the starting lineup, the average age of Belles' uh, starting 11 was 28 and a half years mm-hmm. old. So that gives you some idea about how young most of the others were. I mean, Bo is, what, 29, um, and Hanson must be like 27, 28 now, 28. Um, so, you know, the other, how many is that left? Seven? The other seven, yeah, the, the four defenders and the three midfielders basically are, are all children, essentially, to drag the average age down that far. Um, Ignacio's average age, 24 and a half. Uh, sorry, 20, just under 25, 24.9. Yeah, from um, year have been they, absolutely... Yeah, um, they don't have two people in their late 30s in their lineup. So no, but Gymnasia have been ripped to pieces. Like There is no money at Gymnasia, I think. No. All of the weird spending they did in recent years, including you know bringing I'm, I'm Maradona of, as their coach. I'm one of their they're paying the price for it, and they've just had a complete fire sale when they've turned to, to the kids. And yeah. one of their what? best players are, is, uh, has left is uh, Brian Aleman, mm. Arnaud Albanfield. Yeah, I think all of them are left, to be yeah. honest. Well, they've still got Eric Ramirez, but really, he's the only one who you'd think, looking at their attack. And the goalkeeper, Rodrigo Reyes. I think any, any sentence or kind of encouraging football thought can start with, well, they've still got Eric Ramirez. It's yes. <laughs> all right, to. but you know, it's very much a blues card. And the goalkeeper, with what we've got here, don't yeah. And the goalkeeper, Rodrigo Reyes, a great goal, mm. goalkeeper, now at Independiente. At Independiente, yes. Yeah. Um, we're going to play some music, refill our glasses, and we will be back after this. Just as Andres put his uh, glass down a bit too enthusiastically there. Sorry about the thump. <laughs> Just uh, recovered from being hit on the head by a lemon, and get, and getting wet yes. by the resulting condensation. That that will sound uh, quite strange to most people. So we should clarify that Dan has a lemon tree in his back garden that has just stepped outside for a cigarette. So yes, not just really abusive lemon grind neighbours. No, indeed. Luckily, um, before we really get underway, we should uh, mention, or I feel we need to mention, given that we were talking about excellent names. Well, before you go on, I do remember being at one house party, which was interrupted at about four o'clock in the morning by neighbours throwing boiled potatoes at us from their balconies. I see. Yes. Was this because you were making too much noise? It was, yes. They decided to boil some potatoes at four o'clock in the morning to make their point. I assume the potatoes were already boiled and formed some part of their dinner, and they just had them to hand to uh, use as missiles. Okay, well, I mean... I won't say that I'm on the neighbour's side, but uh, <laughs> I feel their annoyance at least. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, just before, just after we switched the microphone off at half time, uh, Dan brought up the fact that there was a kid in the Gimnasia match squad. Was he? He was unused, right? Uh, yes. Called Bautista Barros Esqueloto, and um, 
ventured bravely the opinion that just perhaps he might be related to the two gymnasium-loving brothers, Guillermo and Gustavo Barroso So we've looked him up, and it turns out that he is. Uh, he is 23. He turned 23 about two weeks ago, just over two weeks ago. Um, and doesn't sound like he's actually very good, but he joined Gymnasio's youth system at the age of six, which is, Unreasonable. even by Argentine standards, is quite early to join a professional club's youth system. But it's now that he made his yeah. first appearance at this in the in the in the bench. Possibly, it's the years. first time we've we've noticed him. Yes. Yeah, so, I haven't come across his name before. Um, he. Oh, here we go. He made his reserves. To, I, I'm reading his English language wiki in case you're wondering. Yes, an English language wiki. Yeah. In case you're wondering how I'm managing to translate this so quickly. Uh, he made his reserve debut on the 7th of August 2017 against Chacarita Juniors under Leandro Martini. Um, and Martini later is joint first team manager alongside Mariano Messera, remember him, promoted Barros Equilotto into the senior squad in early January 2021. So it has taken us two years to notice him. Uh, I do remember that Gimnasia did have uh, joint coaches for a while, uh, which yeah, obviously works brilliantly all the, always. Mm. Um, he was on the subs bench for a few games, made his debut in the Copa Argentina uh, 32ths of final, no hang on, 16ths of final, last 32, uh, win over Doc Sud in 2021 on the 23rd of March. And he is uh, Guillermo and Gustavo's nephew. nephew. Uh, his cousins are the Capaldi brothers, Juan, Salvador and Tomas. Juan rang a very, very faint bell with both Dan and I and we were slightly surprised to hear uh, that he only played six matches here in Argentina, all for Gimnasia, unsurprisingly, and then played three matches for Bolivar on loan, and is currently, if his Wikipedia is up to date, at Yera Petra in Greece. Um, and his dad, this is uh, Bautista Barrosenquilotto's dad, Pablo, so Guillermo Gustavo's brother, um, was a goalkeeper in Gimnasia's academy. Oh, I say was, I was emphasising was there, but obviously he's not anymore. Um, but was a goalkeeper in Gimnasia's academy and then went into medicine. Uh, but his grandfather, i.e. Guillermo, Gustavo and Pablo's dad, uh, was Gimnasia president during the 1980s, which explains l uh, quite a large part, I think, of that family's links with the club and how so many of them keep playing for Gimnasia, even though it turns out most of them are not as good as Guillermo and Gustavo were. Speaking of the Copa Argentina, mm. we had some this week. Yes, we did indeed, didn't we? Yeah, we've uh, just been watching some highlights. Defensa y Justicia won 3-2 against Ito Sango, mm -hmm. um, my ex-girlfriend's local, local, local club. I've, off, uh, I've mentioned before that Morana, her, her local team, but she, she lived in Ito Sango when I first met her. And that game seems to have, I think, I was kind of following it on sofa score while it was happening, because I was getting the live score updates, and it was less thrilling than a 3-2 scoreline would suggest, because I think defensive were at least 3-1 up, they might even have been 3-0 up at some point, and then Itosango scored quite late on. Uh, they went 2-0 up, Itosango pulled one back over after half-time, and then defensive Odissia put it out of reach, mm -hmm. and then Itosango got one back. Yeah. Still 3-2 but with 15 minutes to go, so... Yeah. Um, other Copa Argentina games that we can discuss? Uh, yes. Pat Patronato obviously got the defence on the way already when we last recorded, because I remember mentioning that one. They won. Huracan notched their second oh, yeah, competitive sort of, victory sort of, of 2023 after starting the year very positively. Um, 
gets to fancy Kutisi, I think. Yeah, and scoring four goals like yeah, four this. Two. In both games, four yeah. Two, yeah. Four two, and they beat Shubanki 4 1. Mm. Um, Shubanki, of course. Of course. Uh, Premier League champions. Yes, who could forget? Last year. Um, penultimate Premier League champions because this is the last year of Premier League, as Andres revealed to me before we started um, recording. What's happening to the Premier League, Andres? Well, it will disappear and only Premier League, well, Premier League and Premier League will merge into only one division. Uh, so this is, I guess, a continuation of the stuff that we've been talking about on yes. and off, mostly when Lee Bartlett sent questions about it, mm-hmm. about how many teams are going to be coming over from the Federal now, right? Because at one point they were talking about there might only be 12 teams in Premier League next year or something. Yes. But it, it's got some sense because uh, when Chupanqui uh, became champions, there were only te- only 11 teams in the Premier League. Mm. So. Mm. Oh, so there actually were only 11. <laughs> I thought, the, I thought this yeah. was something that was in danger of happening, but it's already happened. There are 11 teams this year. They're going to play it this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, all of the teams get promoted to the Premier League next year. Excellent. So, good uh, so they are playing for Copa Argentina places. That's the only thing they got to play for. Oh, yeah, because Premier League. And the blue professional, not that. Hence why Chupanqui are there. Right. And the Premier League, uh, I assume, will go to 30 teams next year because why not? How many teams is it this year? 19. Uh-huh. Um, sense, but with four promotions. Um, and there is no relegation, obviously, but the. Bottom two teams will not be able to go up to the Primera B Metropolitana. Do you mean the, the top two teams? The bottom two teams, instead of relegation. Oh, I see. They, they won't be able to get promoted the next year. Either. They will be banned from releg- from promotion. Right. Yes. Yeah, sorry, I jumped the gun a bit there, trying That's to work right. out why you were saying any of that. Um, okay, Copa Argentina then, continued results, or have we covered them all now? No, that, they were the only two. Um, we have more the next week. Do you want me to read them out? Go on, why not? Uh, let me just find it. Next week we have Estudiantes against Independiente CH, which could be Chivilcoy, could be Chubut. Independiente CH? Yes. Yeah, as you say, there are so many places that might be. Um, I think it's Chivilcoy, which is a place in the interior of province. the province of Buenos yeah. Aires. Uh, anyway, while Sam Googles that, yeah, I'm just typing it in to see what comes up. And then also on <laughs> next Wednesday, Independiente, Club Atlético Independiente is what comes up, which is no help at all. But right. I scroll down a bit and it does seem to be Chilucoya. Yeah. There we go. Uh, and that game is on Wednesday, and also on Wednesday, Tigre against Centro Español, which isn't in Spain. Oh, it's in the city of Buenos Aires. Is it? No, that's Deportivo Espanol. Oh, it is, of course. Yeah. Historic Primera de team, I'm talking about Primera Yes. Mm. Um, yeah, I think they battled against Chupanqui for the for promotion to Primera C. They were in the final of the Primera de. Where are they? Because, obviously, if we've just established they're not in the city of Buenos Aires. They are also from Moron. Villa Sarmiento in Moron. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. So, so there you go. Those are the right. two matches we have next, and the rest of them don't seem to have been scheduled yet just for a change yes um one thing that has been scheduled is the women's first division and i wanted to mention this in part because tony uh has is starting has started a newsletter about it this year he's going to be sending out daily updates 
uh, with a bit of news. It's going to be in Spanish, but if any of you want to practice your Spanish a bit by getting something to read that's about football on a daily basis, that's how I first started to learn Spanish uh, back in the day, nearly 20 years ago. No, 20 years ago, but no. Um, then you can sign up. It's on uh, XG is for nerds, which if you follow Tony on Twitter is, is his Twitter handle, uh, .substack.com, uh, and it's free. So go and do that, and you'll get some daily updates for the women's game in Spanish. Anyway, they, they can, even when there are final results, with cool translate, translate may help. Of course, yeah. it's not... Uh, that accurate, but uh, no, exactly. And uh, Tony's also set up a website which I have yet to have a, a really good look at because I was looking at Twitter on my phone as I tend to. Uh, but with all kinds of, it's going to have all kinds of uh, results and stats and stuff as well, which is promising and historic results <coughs> going back to 2006 as well in the women's game. So it took a hell of a lot of work to find all of those head to heads for every club in the top flight. Um, very, very difficult indeed. And um, it seems like this year there's going to be a lot of games on TV, at least for us. Um, Does it? Because Tony was saying that the television situation isn't is a bit up in the air at the moment. But what have you got there? At least some promedios, promedios, a good eighty percent of the games, all but two, yeah, uh, are marked as being broadcast either on Deportivo or TV Pública. So oh, free right, to air. Okay. Well, fingers crossed. Yes. Uh, I'm looking down the list of fixtures for the first round and I can't work out who are new in the division. But the opening day fixture, or the opening round fixtures, I've got a, they start on Friday afternoon. Uh, Al Lanús vs. Estudiantes de Buenos Aires. El Porvenir vs. Estudiantes de La Plata. Huracán vs. Independiente. Gimnasia vs. Sat Said, which is the television workers' union team. Uh, Wild Kisa versus Banfield, Platense versus Boca, River versus Ferro. I have a feeling Ferro might be new in the first in the top yes. division. I can't remember them being there last year. Mm-hmm. Racing versus San Lorenzo, so all big five clash on the opening weekend. Belgrano de Cordoba versus Excursionistas, and Defensores de Belgrano versus Rosario Central. So I also think Belgrano, I think. Hmm? Also Belgrano, I don't. Ah, uh, Belgrano, I think. Yeah, they had a double promotion. I don't yeah. remember them uh, being first division. Yeah. I think Andres is right. Yeah, uh, Ferro might have come up. Uh, let me look oh, at. Ferro seems to have been in the top flight last year as well. They played Boca anyway and play just very quickly down the results. Yeah, they played Granu and Banfield. Lovely promotions. Ah, Banfield, yeah, of course. Thank you, Dan. Uh, and yeah, anything else to add from any anything that we can. Uh, we. We touched on it earlier, but there is no Argentine interest in the final stage of the Sudamericano Sub-20. No, indeed. Unless for for Colochini's. Unless you're a Newcastle or San Lorenzo fan, uh, particularly interested in the comings and goings of Fabrizio Colochini. Why would that be done? Because he's a Venezuela coach. Oh, yes, of course. We mentioned that last week. Yes. And Um, he started the final stage pretty positively. He got... uh, Draw against um, Paraguay, who were pretty good in the in the opening round. Um, back here, it's still not known whether Javier Macherano will stick in his job. Uh, he said right after the game, he doesn't think he'll continue. But um, I was watching earlier today, Bernardo Romeo, who is the youth team's coordinator, I believe is his title for Argentina, uh, saying that he'd like Macherano to. Um, to continue, 
and I mean, you might as well because they're not going to do it. They haven't got anything to play for really for the next two years. So why bother appointing a new coach? Let's just yeah. see what happens. Um, yeah, Chiqui Tapia, me also uh, saying that they, this was the way they chose, uh, and uh, they won't, don't want to get rid of it. But Machirano apparently is still uh, very very upset and, and uh, not happy with the results and still hasn't. No, as he shouldn't be because it yes, was. It, no, you know, you don't ever want to put too much stock in just results per se when it comes to youth football, but but it was pretty uh, pretty catastrophic for Argentina. Just well, they they yeah, it, was, it was it was a strange one because it's certainly the last match and also one or two of the others as well. See, that there, there were goals conceded that were just like. I mean, you can't really legislate for that kind of thing. You know? All of the others, all of the others the, had the, the, the terrible crucial, the goal, it was 1-0 to Colombia, wasn't it, the yeah. very last game, yeah. And the, we, we kind of touched on it in passing earlier, but Federico gomez um got down onto a shot. It was Federico gomez Gert, wasn't it? This says no, I think they, that Colombia. was the, the other goalkeeper. Ah, yeah, Both. sorry, Gert was at fault for a different one earlier on in the yes. group stage, yeah. Yes. Franco Herrera had come in to replace him. And um, made a same mistake. And, and got down onto a speculative effort from like 30 yards, just a daisy cutter from Juan de Fuentes smothered it and then somehow had not smothered it and it went <laughs> through his body and his legs and over the line um, I mean it was ridiculous um, and yeah I saw a headline I didn't click on the article I must admit but saying that in many ways the current setup the under 20 setup the youth football setup yeah. is something that Tapia is more answerable for than the fact that the adult team have just won the World Cup and I think that makes a large amount of sense given that the AFA have a much greater uh, oversight over the development of these youth footballers who are mostly playing, well in, in the case of the ones at least who went to the Sudamericano, are playing in Argentina, obviously there were some who didn't go to the Sudamericano but who would be eligible for Argentina under 20s and who didn't play because they were in Europe um, they, they have this lot under their wing to a much greater degree than they have Lionel Messi, Angel Di Maria, Enzo Fernandez now under their wings, um, and yeah, he, he is. It, it, it is his team. So to an extent, I can see him backing Mascherano for that reason as well. He doesn't want to admit that he perhaps yeah, right. up. perhaps there will be more players like Garnacho and Sule hmm. that won't be part of the under twenties and will go there straight away to the main national team because they have the experience and yeah. And but even if there are, that doesn't really say that. That doesn't tell you the effort. Yeah, I mean, why bother with the under-20s at all then? Just yeah. close it down and save everyone some time. Exactly. I mean, the, the effort need to, to be uh, churning these players out and, and, and to be overseeing their development to a good degree, as yeah. they clearly were doing earlier on. For all of our other complaints about Julio Rondona, Argentina are the most successful team in the history of the World Youth Cup, or yes. the under-20 World Cup, as it's now called. Um, by, well, I was going to say by quite a long way. In fact, they've won one more than Brazil, but... Them in Brazil have won six and five, and everybody else has just won two at most. Um, so, you know, they're comfortably one of the more successful teams. And yeah, it, it doesn't speak very highly of, of the job that the AFA are doing that Argentina have got out in the first group stage of two group stages in the Sud American or Sud Indeed. Uh, but then, what the directors says, say, I think Romero and, and also Chi Depia say, is that if there were some uh, individual or uh, uh, mistakes that uh, you can't uh, perhaps 
uh, say that the all all the project is, is is bad or is wrong because of two or three mistakes that were of course mm -hmm. huge mistakes and it's painful when you like you said you, you lose one nil yeah. and that goal was from a mistake but you also kind of when you look at the the history of Argentina's strength at youth divisions they they ought to have strong enough teams that these one-off moments aren't coming into play at all you know I mean maybe yeah for one game but you shouldn't be suffering three of those in one tournament yeah you can't explain away a whole tournament um, on individual errors is it points to something yes, any more at the uh, global level, being wrong. You can have the best team in the world and occasionally get hit by a soccer punch. We yeah. saw it in the World Cup against Saudi Arabia. You know, and it doesn't necessarily mean very much. But if Argentina had lost all three of their group games like yeah. that at the World Cup, then you'd be going, right, maybe Scaloni actually doesn't know what he's doing or maybe these players aren't as good as we think they are. Indeed. Maybe Nicolas Otamendi isn't a central defender who ought to be getting picked ahead of Lisandro Martinez. Yeah, scoring three, goals, <laughs> scoring three goals in four matches isn't quite... Exactly. Um, speaking of Argentina at the World Cup, mm -hmm. they did quite well. They did. One of their players won the Best Young Player at the World Cup award, and that player is now making some headlines, or so I hear, in the English-speaking world, um, by virtue of becoming... And I looked this up, and I think it's not only for a single transfer fee, but also already at the age of 21, his cumulative transfer fees over the course of his career, making the most expensive Argentine footballer of all time. Uh, and that is Enzo Fernandez. 15 plus 105. Yeah, I'm a bit unclear on whether it is... No, Iguain hey, must have gone for more than that. No, single transfer it is. Mm -hmm. I, yes. I, I looked at the Wikipedia page for cumulative transfer yeah. fees and Iguain wasn't on it, but yeah, you're, you're right, because he, that wouldn't make any sense, would it? No. Um, but anyway, uh, for single transfer fees, certainly the most expensive mm. ever, uh, at least in euros or in pounds sterling. And so Fernandez has moved to Chelsea for his release clause or for one million euros more than his release clause. Um, and I'm, the other thing I was wondering, we mentioned just last week, I think you said it down, that, that Boca have, by Argentine standards, Boca have loads of money, River have got slightly less money, and Racing are the third British club, and nobody else has really got any money at all. And I actually wondered whether this transfer fee and the fact that River get 25% of it is going to be enough to push them above Boca in the richest club in the country stakes. Well, I think this is, on its own, you know, just counting the sell-on fee, mm. the biggest sale ever made by an Argentine club, right? Even putting aside it's, the um, 15 million or whatever he well, got from originally. Their 25% is going to be, it's after the solidarity payments come off, but I mm. think it's going to just about eclipse what Racing got for Lautaro Martinez, which was the previous biggest. And uh, there's still, yeah. still another 4 million, I think, for the objectives. And, and yeah, well, I was unclear about whether they were going to get that now, because, I mean, he's not the Champions League with Benfica or whatever the it's, objectives were. It's strange because Jorge Brito, the River president, president, said that what River will get will be $24 million, which is not $30 million, right? unless no, they have to pay some... But I think that would be the net, because yes. I was looking into it. It was funny, actually. Um, I read an article from InfoWay, don't judge me, uh, and they titled it the, uh, the outrageous, the incredible, the exorbitant taxes that River will have oh, to pay because of the... Uh, yeah. No, but this is the thing. Um, you know, making it out like, oh, the government's going to nick all of the money. Yeah. And it's not actually the case. Because they're allowed um, to keep a big portion of it in dollars now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, River will... Or in euros. 
will have to relinquish 25% of the total fee. Mm -hmm. But 15% of that goes to Enter, I assume because of an agreement they had in his original uh, contract. Yeah, yeah. Um, only 7% goes, um, goes to the national government in taxes, which on a fee of 30 million seems very reasonable to um, me. 0.5% goes to Defensa Justicia too. There's a bit no, for Defensa Justicia. No, there wasn't, there wasn't. It's ah. after the uh, solidarity payments yeah. for FIFA have been taken off. Yes. 1.5% uh, goes to the Buenos Aires government in stamp duty or something like that. And then there's another portion so for... In that case, I'm going to be expecting all of the bicycle lanes and roads to be... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, so, yeah. Throughout the city. Um, and then another little portion goes to the, um, the Argentine Football Players Union, uh -huh. which must happen in all transfers, but because it's always two yeah, million, though, that's about $5,000 we never heard of, hear about it. So 7.5 seems a completely reasonable yeah. um, hmm. amount to pay on that kind of influx of cash, which yeah. is going to leave River really well set up for quite a long time. I yeah. think that after this, every almost promising player will have the, this close of mm. uh, get um, with the a percentage of the future uh, transfer yes. to, to keep, yeah. keep it. I mean, I would think that River, have, obviously we've heard about it this time and we heard about it when we first moved to Benfica because everybody knew that there was a realistic chance that in the next, mm. say, two years that clause was going to be activated because of how good it was. Anyway, it's hilarious for a player who two years ago was uh, training in the gym alone uh, to first uh, move to Benfica and play I, I think at the third match he was the owner of the team. Yeah. Then go to the national team. Well, he scored absolute belter on his debut for them in the mm. Portuguese Cup. Yeah. The playoff of the Champions League also, I think. Yes, it was. sorry, the Champions League playoff, yeah. Then, then going to the World Cup and play also naturally, like not, not being conscious of what he was playing. And, and of course now moves to, to Chelsea. And I, it's not natural, it's not uh, because of course now Boca will do the same with Sebastian. Mm. Uh, we have we have to watch to see whether Sebastian is first moved to Benfica and then to other Benfica is known in Europe for doing these deals, very very good deals with players. Yeah. That we know. I think we have to calm down a little bit though because yes. this has happened yeah, because right. of a very s special set of circumstances, namely Chelsea being really rubbish at the moment, but having money to burn mm. and needing to get someone in and just being willing to pay. Apparently, an inordinate amount, but they, just they to meet his release clause. This month, their spending has, has made them the first club in football history to go through three billion pounds spent cumulatively. I mean, their budget no, not, is probably not higher than the Argentine like, government. In the whole history of their club, they've yeah. spent three billion pounds on transfers, and that makes them they've spent more than apparently Barcelona are in second place in this. But the first this right. doesn't we know they spent more money than the. Serie A, Italian Serie A, mm -hmm. the Liga, Spanish La Liga, and Bundesliga, I think, all together. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify this because I've seen some really idiotic um, kind of conclusions drawn from this, both in Argentina and outside and in England. Uh, one to the tune that, oh, if Enzo's worth 120, Alan Varela must be worth 60. And on the other side, oh, if Enzo's worth 120, Jubelium must be worth 150. Yeah. Neither is worth. Alan Varela is not worth 60, and Jude Bellingham is not worth 150. No. Nor is Enzo Fernandez worth 120. 
No, of course. I mean, what is any football worth anyway? Yeah. But also, don't think I've got that money because they said, fuck off Chelsea, pay us a clause, yeah. or you can go away. And Chelsea paid the clause. Yeah. Um, so also, let's I, just calm, calm down. I also like, I, I like the very Eurocentric and, and especially very Anglo-centric kind of take that, you know, Jude Bellingham's a better player than Enzo Fernandez for some reason. <laughs> I mean, okay, he's a bit younger, well, mm. 18 months younger or something, but I mean, what have you seen, what's he demonstrated so far? I mean, yeah, I remember um, just after the World Cup, I um, I did an interview with a Liverpool fan site back when it looked like Liverpool might be the ones to get Enzo, and um, and I made that comparison between Enzo and Jude Bellingham, and, and there were quite a lot of people, you know, uh, I even said in the interview that 120 million would be absolutely ridiculous, um, but I kind of made the parallel a bit to Bellingham, and got that same kind of reply, ah, oh, but how are you going to compare, how are you going to, I mean... Let's be honest. One one of the guys is is the has been the starting midfielder in a World Cup winning side. Yeah. Um, the, the thing is that you said the release no clause on it. because you think that no one will pay that that money. Oh yeah, of course. And I mean, imagine Benfica they paid 10, 15 million for him in August. Think, oh yeah, someone's going to come along and pay one hundred and twenty million yeah. six months later. Yeah, yeah, pull the other one. The the Erling Haaland agent, I think he said that Haaland value Haaland's value is one thousand uh, million. Mm. Uh, well, no one will pay that even when Chelsea has the money, I think. No, that's it. No. That's sort of like context. So I was going to say, I was saying earlier that we've heard about it this time because of the fact that the clause seemed like it would, you know, was going to be activated at some point. We weren't expecting it to be activated this quickly. But I suspect that River have probably been doing this for the last couple of years at least. In, in I think all teams do. I know Racing have an almost identical clause for Lautaro Martinez. Mm. The problem is Lautaro Martinez is in a situation where he's already at a big club yeah. uh, whose model isn't to sell yeah, like exactly. Benfica so sell I'm going to assume for instance that River have the same clause with Julian Alvarez oh absolutely yeah. nobody's going to give Manchester City whatever clause they've put in his contract for Julian Alvarez no and if he's good Manchester City are never going to accept 70, 70 80 million because why would they no exactly yeah, it's interesting um, it'll be uh, interesting to see if in the future cl- um, clubs kind of look more to the Benficas and and that kind of team rather than you know shooting for the stars of City and Inter or Barcelona or just selling you know oh sorry you're talking about Argentine clubs for Argentine selling. clubs yeah yes. yeah because I was going to say European clubs looking to, to buy direct because again as a Manchester United fan mm. as, as a fan of a club who were linked with Enzo right before Benfica signed him and who apparently were offered Enzo by River after the the terms that had been agreed with Benfica mm. River went back to them and said look Benfica offered us this much. You were talking to us first. Do you want to match the offer? Well, and when said no because they didn't have the manager installed. When Robert, so then they, Sam, I remain angry about this. They did the same thing. But Sam, you have to consider the you have to consider the butterfly effect in this. Imagine no, no, Enzo Fernandez yeah, no, chooses right. United over Benfica. Yeah. Doesn't get enough first team football to push his way in to the Argentina team in time for the World Cup. And Argentina never. No, I'm, I'm completely on board with that, but yeah. I, I would still have just... I'm in 2020, Salomon <laughs> Rondon had said that I w- would like to, I would love to play the, the typical phrases that any foreign player that doesn't dream to play in Argentina said, I I would love to play at Boca, the Bombonera, and three years later he's playing for River. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. what? But yeah. But I do, so... From a footballing point of view now, though, if we, if we look at this from the point of view of an Argentine mm. national team player has just moved to 
a strong club, a Premier League club, a club who a lot of our re- uh, listeners, readers, are going to be um, familiar with and are going to be watching. Um, how do we think he's going to do? Because, A, as you've kind of hinted already, then, the transfer fee like that is, is impossible or very difficult to, to truly live up to, mm. you know, and, and to not have, never have anybody going, oh, it wasn't worth that. 120 like, million for someone this. Someone is always going to be saying yeah. that. But, B, as I said, Chelsea spent a hell of a lot of money for a January transfer window. And I think mm. some of that was that there's been maybe a bit, I feel like at least, generally speaking, there's been a bit more movement in this mid-European season window than in, in many of them because of the fact that the World Cup's just happened and so teams have seen, oh, this guy was good at the World Cup. Yes. We're not used to that affecting a January transfer window. Um, and some of it is just down to Chelsea's owner. Don't get me wrong, he's just signed at least one phenomenal player, but not really knowing what he's doing, right? Um, is this... I, I, I do kind of think that it might have been better for Enzo's development if he had stayed at Benfica for the rest of the season, at least, which was, apparently was an offer. Chelsea right. said, you can do this, and Enzo said, no, I'm going to go now. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, I don't think Benfica handled it particularly well. Well, they did. very... Um, what's the word? Kind of very stern, very uh, paternalistic, I think... Um, and just but leave, pushing inside to like, oh, you're staying and we're not even going to talk about it. Leaving that aside, Chelsea have just signed a bunch of midfielders. They've already yeah. got a pretty well-stacked midfield anyway. Okay, they're not doing as well as they would have hoped to be doing in the Premier League, but there is a lot of competition for those places. Mm. Now, the shirt number they've given Enzo, number five, suggests that they're looking at him as very much going to be a first choice. And I saw a couple of brief quotes from Graham Potter which suggests that Graham Potter's fully aware that he's got a cracking player on his hands, mm. which I gather is not his attitude towards some of the other players that Chelsea mm. have signed during this yes. window. I'm, I can't, you, if you're a Chelsea fan listening and I'm mistaken on that, then you know, please don't complain. If, if they paid 120 million, uh, they can, he can say, yeah, yeah, but they've been spending phenomenal money on players yeah. who are apparently going to struggle to get into the team anyway. <laughs> so the, the, my point is, is he going to be playing regularly and how much of an impact immediately is he going to make because it's one of those signings where you think if he doesn't if, if he takes a little bit of time to settle because of the language barrier because of the cultural change or whatever which is not as as great between Argentina and Portugal as it is between Argentina or Portugal and the UK yes. um, does he suddenly have the press on his back is he suddenly the worst player in the world could Manchester United have the potential to sign him for five million quid when his price gets desperate <laughs> he will have to do exactly the same that he did at Benfica and the uh, national team it won't be easy, perhaps, and yeah. he will know. Oh, yeah, they will look at me if I don't play well too and much. How, and how well do, does he have to play for again for loads of people not to be going? Ah, oh, you see, he wasn't worth 120 million euros. Yeah. The euros. list, the the list for him is thing is to be the best in in the team, independently yeah. of the results. I mean, if Chelsea loses, but he was the uh, man of the match or, or the great mm-hmm. greatest of the of Chelsea. That will be good for him. Of course, it's better if the team also. Yeah, but set against that, if Chelsea yeah. win and somebody scores a hat trick up front and he just does a nice quiet game ticking over in midfield, people are already going to be asking questions mm-hmm. about it. And it, it's a difficult. It's not a Julian Alvarez going to Manchester City mm-hmm. to pick a very obvious um, comparison mm-hmm. because obviously they were both at River, what just over yes. a year ago together as teammates. Um, it's it's a well in fact sorry they were at River yeah just over seven months ago as teammates because Alvarez stayed after the deal was done with City, um, 
it's a much more nothing to lose there's no leeway here he's got to go into the first team straight away and be performing right from the off and obviously at Benfica as you say yeah they need for him yeah, and the same as when he moved to River from Defensive Justicia it was straight off the bat and, Arge- and the Argentina first team yeah. the need yeah. for him was much bigger than City for Julian Alvarez in fact it was somehow good for Julian Alvarez to have Haaland there mm. not to be the only responsible of, of scoring yeah. but also Julian Alvarez moved for 12 million quid yes, or something. I mean, it's, it's just a completely different level of... Yes. It was a tenth of the price. Yeah. Um, so what we'll say about Enzo is that it, all indications suggest that we haven't seen his ceiling yet. No. Because every single new challenge that has been put in front of him, he's, he's absolutely <laughs> fucked it. Um, and I think it's going to be the same. Um, yeah. Not immediately, perhaps. You know, January signings are always difficult. Um, he's a young lad. Might need a little bit of belly in, but... I've got no doubt he's going to be he has among the world's elite midfielders if he's not already there. He has the rhythm, I think, because when we watch, when you watch, of course, it's a video that sometimes the videos are are like uh, you watch the best the best plays. Mm. But he quit a lot of balls to Mbappe in the final of the World yeah, Cup. Yeah. It's Mbappe, no, it's not a well normal player. He's one of the best. And in, in that respect, when the the, comp- the the TV broadcasters here and stuff like to do these, oh, we followed Messi all around the pitch, and yeah. here are the bits that Messi touched the ball, and here's is what he did well, kind of thing. Show me Enzo Fernandez, not just and, some and bloke, little guy who yeah. doesn't run for the whole game. And, and Enzo is one of the very few players who I've seen who those kind of the this is what this guy did in this one match. The personal highlight reel can actually last about as long as Messi's do sometimes. Um, and we've been saying this for the last year anyway that he was going to be, a, as you put it, done an elite midfielder on the world level. I think we're all just a little bit surprised at how quickly that's happened. Mm. And in my case, again, as a Manchester United fan, I'm just I'm relieved that at least he's joined a team who I don't absolutely hate <laughs> uh, and won't mind watching from time to time. Given that he was linked, you know, as you say, variously with, with Liverpool and also with City at, at various points, and I was just praying that he wasn't going to join one of them. But anyway. Um, shall we move on to listeners' questions? I don't know whether we've had any listeners' questions. We haven't. We have a couple. Yeah, I did see them. Um, we haven't when I left the flat, but of course it took me longer than normal to get here. So, I'll stay low. Oh, that's not even our notifications tab. Here we go. Um, Simon Clark sent us one a few days ago. Uh, oh, after Chelsea had made the bid and before it was accepted, actually on the thirtieth of January. Clearly, Sam. Your observations about Enzo were listened to at the highest level. One for the hand of Bob Literati to discuss. And he's quote tweeted the BBC Sport report there that um, Chelsea have made a £105 million bid for Enzo. I mean, so I when's that commissioner of? Uh, what I would say is that if the people running Chelsea at the moment are considered the highest level, then we need to redefine what that phrase means. You just fucked up commission, sir. But uh, it's fine. <laughs> I'm increasingly pessimistic that we're ever going to get anything like that. Uh, and independent in English has asked just an hour ago which team will be the biggest surprise this season is that a leading question at all I mean I think in a way but they have made a good start if Urakan actually continue their form of last year even mm. though it is their form of last year I think that would count as a surprise given that we've been covering this league for as a podcast mm. 13 uh, 12 years and we've rarely seen a team who aren't called Racing, River Plate or Boca do well two consecutive seasons uh, so far? Yeah, I think it all depends on Huracan. If, um, I mean, they've already lost uh, Franco Cristaldo, as I mentioned last week. 
and the future of Medosha is still very much up in the air. Um, does the Argentine transfer window so actually finish today, or is that just a matter of speaking? Finishes today, but if they, I think, if they sell, if they sell a player to uh, abroad, uh, right. they will have one more week to oh, okay. to sign players. Yeah. I think. Or do they do that thing still where they inscribe players? Oh yes, yeah, and then they have like another three weeks to do it. Um, in any case, uh, Boca are still pushing very hard for Lucas Merosha. Uh, he would be a big loss. We don't know right now uh, while we're recording if he'll go or not. But there seems to be enough around um, enough in the Oberkan team to potentially be a surprise. They, uh, as Sam says, they came on strong last year. Um, I'll keep an eye on Venice. I like the I like the yeah. Venice team. I like the Venice attack, and I think um, if you add Julian Fernandez in there, it's going to be very very potent. They'll score a lot of goals. Probably concede a, a fair amount of goals as well. Tigre could do well as well with Retegi again if he yes. continues his form and they carry yeah. on looking solid. Yeah, and I'll stick with Central. Watch out for Central. I don't think they're going to win the league or do anything like that, but and top, they might occasionally not. Top six, it. top eight. Don't know Maybe whether these young kids. Don't know whether it will be enough with Pedro de la Vega, who like don't said. I mean, Lanús were back. really, really bad last yeah. season. Yes, they, yes. They've, they've got to really, really bad to avoid relegation. Yeah, uh, they got off to a good start, obviously, but they're going to need to keep that up. Yeah, uh, and Liam Kelly. <laughs> thank you for asking this one, Liam. If a new Argentine season has started, then it must be time to ask this question: Will 2023 be the year that away fans return to Argentine Stadium? I mean, they have. In some cases, River had fans. Neutral fans, thank you very much, Dan. River had neutral fans in Santiago del Estero, and they're going to have neutral fans again in Córdoba mm-hmm. for their visit to Belgrano. So here's Andres complaining that uh, they had to start the game, the season with two away but games, but they're probably going to have more fans actually <laughs> in the stadium than about half of the league. And of course, we also need to, again, point out that the Copa Argentina, throughout this whole no-away fans business, has always been played with fans of both teams yes. in the stadiums on neutral ground. And mostly the, the and Libertadores as well. have rarely been problems. No. Um, so it just underlines that this is more a problem uh, of a lack of willingness from the authorities to just have a bit of faith in people and to sort things out. And also, to an extent, a problem of a lack of willingness from the clubs to pay the security. A complete indifference from the clubs. Uh, hostility River, almost I think. Generally and for yeah, they just don't want away fans back and they're doing nothing to uh, to push for it so the AFA you know, is never <laughs> just going to pick a fight with the the biggest yeah. five clubs in the country for the sake of it and, um, and the reason that we say the big clubs in case you're wondering is that the smaller clubs would love to have away fans back because it means that when River or Boca come to visit and to a lesser extent Independiente Racing and San Lorenzo mm-hmm. they can sell lots of tickets to yeah. the fans of the away a few other teams as well Tacheres and Belgrano yeah, yeah, all yeah. Take fans along with and them, uh, estudiantes. How much it costs the ticket for Manchester United as a, when they play home? I mean, I've not been to England for five years, so it's been a but while since I've you, you know, well, I, I, I assume that $50 could be? 30, yeah, probably 30 or 40 quid, maybe, I think, for the cheapest. Well, Belgrano decided to sell tickets for neutral fans for $40, mm. which is quite expensive because it's not a, a, a Camp Nou yeah. special. I think it's fine. And people, and people went and paid that money because they knew it's like Enzo Fernandez the mm. thing. Mm. If you uh, uh, want a player and, and you know that is that uh, amount of money, yeah. 
And the other thing is, is, is that if you're one thing that I think uh, can be missed by by European fans and, and by by a lot of our listeners who are from better off countries. I mean, I, I saw a couple of instances of it in on my very brief dip into football Twitter um, last week after uploading the episode. Is that you see people saying things like if they live in Patagonia or they live somewhere like Cordoba but because of, I don't know, their granddad was from Buenos Aires or something, they're, they're a river fan or a Boca fan or something. They're hundreds and hundreds of kilometres away in a country that is not as well connected as anywhere in Europe. And often these people have been like lifelong river or Boca fans. So and they're a lot bigger than Europe, we should yeah, say. Yeah, like yeah. The whole country is bigger than Western no, Europe. Yeah, yeah. And, which is why I said hundreds yeah. and hundreds of kilometres away. They often have been like lifelong fans of the, a club from Avellaneda or from City of Buenos Aires or whatever, but have never been to the Monumental or the Bombonera or the Cilindro. And this chance that when when Racing come to visit is you know the first time they've even because maybe they live a little bit outside Cordoba Capital or or whichever city in Patagonia is hosting this Copa Argentina game, for instance, <laughs> it'll be the first time they've really ever had an opportunity to get to the game. And so yeah, sometimes people will pay that amount of money, and sometimes they'll pay it because they're from Cordoba and they've got loads of money because they're weird. No offence to any of our Cordoba listeners, but... Uh, I mean, you call it rich. Weirder. Rich, weird, I think. Yeah. Balances out. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's a... Uh, price gouging is something that happens. But if... Yeah. And there were people complaining or criticising these of uh, selling tickets with mm. that value, that uh, money, that... Uh, uh, yes, that value. And, and there were supporters, I assume supporters of Belgrano, or perhaps other, other small clubs that are in favor of this, saying, well, how many tickets River has go, go give to the to the away fans? Well, there aren't away fans. Yeah. No. I think that's the whole thing about it, to be honest, because if I remember correctly, back in the days where um, away fans were completely allowed, uh, you had at least every team had to uh, put up a certain percentage of uh, popular tickets, mm-hmm. which uh, always, at least back then, I don't know what it's like now, were controlled to be probably, I think, 40 pesos back in the day. Yeah. So I don't know how much that would be worth now, but it was a set price for a popular, for a terrace standing t- ticket, home or away. And then Platea, they did have a little bit more leeway to, uh, to charge what they want. But obviously now there is no legal obligation and clubs can pretty much do what they want, including not giving the neutral fans or away fans, whatever you want to call them, any kind of popular, any kind of terracing presence. Mm. Um, it's that whole, you know, almost, as with everything in the Argentine economy, that grey area, that ambiguity, mm. just opens the door for, for abuses. Um, yep. So I'm going to make it a whole anyone, economic thing, yeah. Everyone does Very in, in keeping with the Argentine economy. Right? Everyone does what is convenient for them and they don't care about the others. In fact, River has had some supporters of River were with the River T-shirts mm-hmm. going to the stadium at Santiago del Estero, and nothing happens. It's like when it's not legal that yeah. neutral fans, of course, you you mean not going to with the T-shirts of the team that is. But but that also sells a lie to the official line that oh, if we let away fans back in, there'll be mass riots and fights between fan groups and stuff. And when you've got again people with River shirts just walking into the stadium. The and it bears mentioning that up until Friday night, we didn't even know if Racing were going to allow home fans in. <laughs> Which, uh, do you remember I mentioned, I think I it was off record, yeah, yeah. Uh, that there was all kind of 
problems within the Racing Barra. Yes, Three different course. factions, including. Oh, we uh, forgot to mention it. Hamburger Faces faction, Carrier Paddy. Um, this all came to a head on Friday um, because apparently Racing just hadn't bothered to send a, uh, a barred list of people who couldn't get into the stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Buenos Aires Province Security Authorities uh, said, no, behind closed doors you go. You're not going to be able to go to the stadium. Oh, well. This was a situation on Friday afternoon. Ah, this explains why we didn't mention it last week, then. Cause no, this was only recorded on Thursday. Yes, um, the backdrop to it had been brewing before. Yes, we forgot to mention the fact there was a fight at Essa Airport, wasn't there? That between Carrington. There was an ambush at Essa Airport, yeah, with fans coming back from Abu Dhabi and yes. uh, other Barras who hadn't uh, who hadn't travelled. Um, Abu Dhabi, just just to remind people who didn't listen to last week's episode or are struggling to make the link, is where Racing and Boca just played in the completely normally whatever that tournament yeah. was called. Um, and then there was a huge fan backlash. Rassi managed to cobble together a list of about 40 barras who they didn't want to go to the games, mm-hmm. all on one side of the equation rather than oh, interesting. between. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked. Yes, I won't shocked, go I too far into it, but um, the list was interesting to, uh, to read. Maybe uh, we could do the extra on this in a few minutes' time, just very quickly. We'll do the extra now. <laughs> if not, then maybe I think I think there's not much more to tell than um, than I'm telling you now. But um, um, and in the end, fans were allowed to attend. They all through this time, Racing hadn't sent out anything official, a tweet, uh, a statement, anything. Just left yeah everything up in the air. Um, fans were allowed to go, but only members. There were no ticket sales at all, and to cap it all. About two day, two game, two days before the match, Racing cut their relationship with their official kind of ticket sellers slash virtual buying and selling platform, uh, meaning that no one could buy, you know, pay the membership dues online or do oh, anything okay, like that. Right. They had their own site, but it was fucked and didn't work at all. Um, so basically, they had to go to the game on Sunday with about. 20,000 pesos in my pocket to uh, pay your membership because of course yeah the last game was in October almost so mm-hmm. several um, months of, of uh, membership had lapsed yes yeah, so you need to, to pay so that your membership's up to date and therefore you can get into this game indeed and uh, that led to me making a bit of a scene kind of chucking um, 500,000 peso bills all around the ticket office because I was a I was a bit slashed um, and I hold Victor Blanco and the Racing boardroom wholly responsible for the mild embarrassment I would have suffered if I was completely conscious of what was going on. As, so, as well they should be. Yes. I think we'd better stop recording now because, unsurprisingly, having said at the very beginning that not having very much to talk about wasn't going to stop us from going completely off-radar, uh, we have managed to record a second half of the podcast that's 48 minutes long. Yeah. Would you like to hear some mystic sound before we go away? Yes. Okay, then he'll be right back after this music. I think that for some of you listening, Andres's eye roll when he realised that I still have to read these predictions was almost audible. Uh, I think I yawned as well, which was audible. You, you yawned just as I switched the microphone oh, on, yeah, so that would have come out just as I was talking. 
but this weekend's matches begin on Friday evening with Newells versus Belles. That's going to be. Now, bear in mind that I already can't really remember what happened in the first round of games, but I think that's going to be a Belles win. I think Tigre are going to beat Rosario Central. Those two matches are played at the same time on Friday evening. Arsenal versus Estudiantes will be an Estudiantes win. Sarmiento versus Barracas Central will be a draw. Not watch that match, please. Watch that no. match. Oh, why not? Don't watch you uh, Belgrano versus River, I think is going to be a River win. Argentinos versus Racing will be a Racing win. But it's going to be a tricky one. Uh, that's one of my games to watch, actually. Yes. Lanús versus San Lorenzo. Ooh, okay. I mean, we picked out Lanús as a possible surprise team. San Lorenzo on a good run. We'll go for a draw. Independiente versus Platense is an Independiente win. Boca versus Central Cordoba is a Central Cordoba. Uh, no, sorry. We'll talk about a Boca win. Atletico Tucumán versus Tacheres. Um, I'll go for an Atletico Tucumán win, but I'm not very confident about it. Could be a draw. Godoy Cruz versus Colón is a Colón win. Union will beat Instituto de Córdoba at home. Gimnasia versus Defensa y Justicia is a Defensa y Justicia win. And Huracán will beat Banfield in Parque Patricios. Ooh. So Why are there three 9.30 kickoffs on Sunday night? Uh, for reasons that I'm sure have been very, very thoroughly thought out. More interesting for me is the fact that neither River nor Boca are involved in either of those 9.30 kickoffs. That's because they play in heat in hot zones, I think. Because uh, yeah. Tucumán, uh, Santa Fe, and Menos. Well, Boca are playing at home. Mm. Cordoba, is that? Yeah. What no, they're 19.30. At yeah. 9.30 p.m., I mean, it's... Yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with Andres. I think it's probably those games, given where they're being played, all have to kick off right Ah, Tucumán, Santa Fe and Mendoza. Mendoza. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mendoza... Mendoza yeah. maybe a bit less so, they could have gone away with that, but, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, that, that could be a reason. It's a and both Boca and River play at the same time. No way it... Well, 24 hours apart, in fairness. Yeah, the same time <laughs> of the clock, yes. Sorry, yeah, the same time of day, yeah. Um... Anyway, those are this weekend's matches in men's first division. I'm not going to predict the women's because I don't know enough about it. Uh, but we do hope that at some point in the next couple of weeks, Tony will be able to come along and record and give us an actual proper uh, preview slash review of the first however many rounds have been played of the women's championship as well. For now, thank you very much indeed for listening. And goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. English Dan. Goodbye. And me. Thank you. And goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>